Just a word of warning before we start. This program contains the sound of gunfire as well as descriptions of violent death that some listeners may find disturbing. And if you haven't heard episode one, you'll probably want to go back and start there. Yeah, like, why do you sweat? put it behind your ears? Yeah. Okay, so this is maybe the worst circle we've made ever. I know. Can we lose the extra chair and can we make a real circle? We're at a rehearsal for a play called Babel. It's being created by an award-winning teen theater company named Cry Havoc. It's June 2018, and for the past five months or so, they've been surveying some deep rifts separating Americans when it comes to gun ownership and gun violence. To write the play, the actors have gathered material by talking with more than 75 people. A convicted felon, a trauma surgeon, gun vendors, survivors of gun violence. And some interviews, they've been hard to take emotionally. But company director Mara Richards-Bim anticipated the young actors might suffer a toll handling these experiences. So, at the start of every rehearsal, she has them sit in a circle and share their feelings. Here's what I would like to do. First, let's check in. Can everybody sort of, and like not a whole paragraph, but like word, short phrase, how are you doing? Who's going first? Great. High school senior Trinity Gordon volunteers. Trinity's gregarious, and usually the negative stuff bounces off. In Babel, she portrays Nicole Hockley. Hockley's the mother of Dylan, a six-year-old killed in the mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary in 2012. And with all of that on Trinity's mind, the negative stuff is starting to stick. Um, Last night I fell into like a semi-deep depression after I came from rehearsal because, you know, I was playing Nicole Hockley and we were doing that scene. And then, you know, I go on Twitter to like find memes and stuff. And then I see Nicole and I was like, oh my God. So then I went into like this deep spiral and I have like 50 pictures of Dylan on my phone. Oh, you should, I would delete those, right? The Cry Havoc cast heard Hockley herself describe the carnage her son suffered. He was shot five times in the body and once in the head. And you think of a 60-pound kid, that's a lot of damage. His face was perfect for his funeral, though. When I saw him in his casket, it was just the back of his head that was gone. Brutally honest stories like that have made their way into Cry Havoc's script, and Trinity Gordon has to recount them again and again at rehearsals. Little wonder she's depressed. I just really felt like like I have to tell her story. And everyone's like, Trinity, that's not healthy. But I'm like, I'm not sad when I look at these pictures. I'm just looking at the life that, that Nicole sees. And I'm just trying to understand, you know, what she lost. All that can be heard in her performance as Hockley. At one point, I had this priest come up. And he just silently sat next to me. He just came and silently sat next to me, which was absolutely right. But then I did have this nun come up to me in front of me and say, you know, he's in a better place now. He's with God. And I did say, get her the away from me. Because at this point, I knew nothing. And no matter what your faith is, the place where he belongs is with me. 
I'm Hadi Mawagdi, reporting fellow for Guns in America. I'm Jerome Weeks, arts reporter for KERA in North Texas, and this is Gunplay. In this episode, Cry Havoc's actors take what they've learned about guns and gun violence and finally start building a new play. Their play. And they've only got four weeks left to do it. Once again, we're at an early rehearsal with the teen actors of Cry Havoc. This time, director Mara Richards-Bim splits up the actors. Okay, um, I want you guys to play with some moments. So The actors form small groups. Right now, all they've got are a lot of interviews. So Mara's told them to pick a passage from the script and to start improvising. Okay, and that's all I'm going to tell you. You can use sound. You can use the limited lights on your cell phones. I will allow you to get your cell phone if you're going to do sound or lights. And you have 10 minutes. Go. Mara, what are they doing? They're creating moments. So they're taking a piece of text and layering in, you know, props and lights and sound and trying to think of ways to present that moment in a really theatricalized way. Actors Angie Hogue, Ashley Neese, and Mary Bandy gravitate towards a particular passage quoting gun range owner David Prince. So, so we'll start with you can't stop people from coming across the borders illegally. We can't stop the drugs from pouring in our... A while back, Prince invited the actors to his gun range to shoot an AR-15. Prince was also the first NRA member the cast spoke with. He happily answered their questions, like why he owns guns or whether he's okay with a gun registry. The actors in Prince had some disagreements about background checks and ways to decrease gun violence. Despite that, none of the students has ever said Prince was anything but nice. So they've struggled over portraying him, how to convey both his deeply held NRA convictions and his friendliness. So let's go back to Angie, Ashley, and Mary. They're working on a scene in which Prince blames smuggling at the U.S.-Mexico border for increasing gun violence in America. We can't stop people from coming across our borders illegally. How can we stop guns coming across our border illegally? Ashley and Mary suggest Prince's character could use shoes to beat migrants and gun smugglers to show his objections. But Angie isn't on board with that. Okay, are we villainizing David Prince, though, the more we do that? No. I don't no, think we I are. don't think we're villainizing David Prince. It's just misconception. I know, but I just feel like it just sounds it a whole lot like a liberal theater company being like, this is what they do. <laughs> um, they ditch using the shoes. This entire process is time-consuming, but characters are more than just words on a page. And Cry Havoc actors are trying to make them come alive on stage. Still... It all starts with those words, and Mara Richards-Bim insists on accuracy. You need to go back and look at your scripts, right? Because these are actual people who said these actual words, and sometimes you guys are paraphrasing. We need to honor the words they said. This isn't the typical challenge for an actor. Actors try to make fictional characters, like Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman, make them seem real. Instead, the Cry Havoc actors met real people in person. And now they're trying to convey them with some honesty, clarity, and drama. Andrew Beeson is a big, quiet, sincere kind of guy. 
He's concerned about how David Prince comes across on stage. He plays the gun range owner. I don't want to like make him a character and like make him hated because he was he's not a bad dude. He just has different views as us, and I feel like as society we push away people that we don't share the same belief as. So it's kind of weird to like play that while not actually making him a bad guy. It's also true that some of what the young actors were told was heartbreaking. Take Kara Lawson. In Babel, Kara plays Sue Longcar. She's the mother of Grace Longcar, a friend of Kara's. Grace shot herself in 2016. I learned in an interview with Kara that she didn't even know she was cast as her friend's mother until the first day of rehearsals. It's a little weird. I mean, real. It was. It was. It was like took me a second to like process yeah. that was like happening. Was it simply because? What you shared seemed personal? Or? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, like, it's just, it's just, like, very vulnerable. And I don't think I, like, came to this show. Like, I didn't, like, sign up being, like, I'm going to talk about my dead friend to everybody. But, you know, Sue shared her story, and I think it's a good one to share, so. Do you feel like it's actually worth being in there, though? Like- Honestly, I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. And after personally seeing Kara break down several times in rehearsal, I understand why she questioned including Sue Longcar in the show and herself in the role. Kara struggled to get some distance from Sue's pain, just so she could convey it without coming apart. Even actors without personal connections to the people they're playing feel the strain of reliving suicides and shootings. Trinity Gordon. A lot of us were burnt out, like we had different signs of of burnout like it was just it, it's a lot to do this show despite all the fatigue and turmoil the young actors are also electric with excitement especially after checking out the space where they're performing the at&t performing arts center is in the fancy dallas arts district cry havoc will perform their play in hammond hall it's a small but handsome theater space it hosts speaker series and adventurous works by up-and-coming arts groups Here's what Mary Bandy whispered to me during a rehearsal. The other day I was driving past the AT&T Performing Arts Center and then I saw our poster on their little screen and I was like, oh my god, I'm in that. And I'm telling the Lyft driver, like, that's my show, that's my show. The Lyft driver's like, okay, honey. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Have you gotten tired of guns yet? Well, I was tired of guns in the beginning, but, you know... It's opening night. The cast races to get ready. Months of work are on the line. We're at about 12 minutes till places. Trinity Gordon shares her hope for the audience. I hope they take away that. Seeing us be able to listen to other people can inspire them to do the same thing. But even if it's just like their next door neighbor or their co-worker or their mother-in-law or something, just being open and willing to listen to other people. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Welcome to the AT&T Performing Arts Center and tonight's production of Babel by Cry Havoc Theater. As of today, 7,409 people have died from gun violence in America in 2018. In the last 24 hours, 37 people have died from gunshot wounds in America. 
These numbers do not include the estimated 12,000 gun suicides this year so far. On July 5th, 2018, Babel opens to a sold-out crowd. And the following seven performances are sold out as well. Audience members David Puchek and Greg Farnsworth spoke with me during intermission. Puchek speaks first. It's very profound. It's um, haunting. It's very real, but it's um, so disturbing, and I feel helpless. Well, I'm just so impressed with what the students have done. They've been able to bring these interviews to life, and they're so, they're so incredibly talented. And so it it's definitely, definitely has an impact. In Babel, Angie Hogue portrays Abby Clements, a former teacher at Sandy Hook Elementary. In 2012, she hit her students in their classroom as a gunman shot and killed 26 children and educators. Angie says it's become a nightmarish role. I feel like through a lot of this process, I've been dissociating from the fact that these things are actually like real. And, but I didn't really feel it until like kind of recently like reading through it and like all like the dots connecting in my brain like I know all of these things are real and that they happen but like very recently have I actually (laughs) been oh my god (laughs) like here's Angie as Abby Clements hiding with her students but then I needed to lock the door because the door locks on the outside do you open the door when you hear all that racket out there and, and that noise. And so I, I didn't know what to do. And I told the kids that. I was like, I don't know what to do. I got to lock the door, but I'm scared. And I remember Nicole, one of my little girls, she said, Mrs. Clements, your legs are shaking. I said, I know. I'm scared. I don't know if I should open the door, lock the door. And they were like, you can do it. Lock the door. You have to lock the door. And I was crying at that point, and I, that was the first time that I'd shown that, you know, that I was, you know, and, and so I freaking opened the door, locked the damn thing, closed it, came back over here, and then we just um, listened to all those shots, and they were all snuggled in their little coats. During the question and answer session after the show, audience members said they felt overwhelmed. Here's Sydney Daly. Um, I'm a drama teacher, and hearing the other um, teacher interviews, it's it's really hard because I'm picturing my students. And, um, but I'm so glad that they made this because. There needs to be more conversation about this topic, and I'm I'm glad that I'm here. (laughs) Suicides, mass shootings, politics. Not surprisingly, some audience members had a different response. This is Brian Neese. He's the father of Ashley Neese, one of the young actors in the show. I thought it was amazing. I thought the kids did a great job. And I think to start an honest debate, we have to understand each side. And sometimes this probably doesn't do a really fair job of that. But it doesn't, I mean, they're trying to 
get emotion across as well. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be. I mean, you've got to you've got to get emo people emotionally invested. So, Jerome, what did you think about it? I mean, you've covered the arts in North Texas for thirty years. Looking back two years later, I can say individual scenes and performances in Babel. They've stuck with me. They're some of the most affecting and powerful teenage theater I've seen. I mean, a high school drama program might address teen suicide. But joining the NRA, meeting congressional leaders, talking with survivors of gun violence, that's incredibly ambitious for a little high school company. Yeah, okay, but what do you think about what Brian Neese said? Was Babel fair? Did it portray both sides impartially? Well, first... As Cryhavik's actors repeatedly found, there aren't two sides, there are dozens of sides. If you had an entire TV documentary series, you might convey some of the differences people have over arming school teachers or banning bump stocks. These days, we turn all our arguments tribal. Are you with us or against us? Pro-gun or anti-gun? Because that kind of opposition is good for fundraising. It's good for votes. But, yes, I have to say, Babel was unfair partly because it sometimes was very powerful. What's that supposed to mean? How's that work? So, you're watching from the seats. Over there on stage, our parents recounting, in painful detail, the violent murders of their own children. And over here, well-intentioned people are declaring, I need a gun to defend my kids. It's a basic constitutional right. Who do you think's going to break people's hearts? So you're saying it's not so much about whether the play makes an explicit argument for one side. You're talking about what hits an audience in the gut. Yes. And that kind of gut punch conveys what several Cry Havoc members themselves felt while making Babel. Here's director Mara Richards-Bim. And remember, she's a gun owner. Her husband's a hunter. We still want to capture all sides, and we still want to represent people in their truth. Um, but how we shape the story definitely is a form of activism. It's fascinating. Everyone should have to sit with a survivor who has lost a child to guns and just to, to have them relive it and hear their pain and see, sit there and cry with them. Those stories that we captured in Newtown and the folks that we met there I, had a huge impact. Back in 2017, when Mara Richards-Bim first planned this whole thing, Congress was completely stalemated over gun legislation. And then... Cue the news, um, just shooting after shooting after shooting after shooting after shooting. There was Las Vegas, there were Sutherland Springs. With the timing of this whole project, the students walked into something of a buzzsaw. 2018 became the worst year for school shootings, ever. They never seemed to let up. A heartbreaking day in Florida and sadly an all-too-familiar one. Seventeen people are now confirmed dead. We know at least three people still in critical condition. Good morning, everyone. We're coming on the air with breaking news. A school shooting with reports of multiple fatalities, this time in Santa Fe, Texas. It's outside Galveston. A suspect is in custody. Eight students, two teachers shot and killed by a 17-year-old classmate and only five hours from Dallas. One purpose of this project was to give students an immersion into America's argument over guns. But no one expected things would get this direct, this ugly. You can hear students reflect on the toll they're left with. 
like Fabian Rodriguez, the high school senior whose father was shot to death. Regular people, normal people don't think about mass shootings every day. Like, obviously, people know about it because it's on the news. But we've been in it for so long. Like, for me, every mass shooting that I hear about or any, like, somebody that gets shot, it affects me more than what it did before. If nothing else, the actors matured. Take Sheldrick Pearl. He's lost a few classmates to gun violence. At first, I just thought, you know, if you want a gun, you should have one. Why not? But now that I've researched it and I looked into the complexity of it, I feel like certain guns shouldn't be on the street. I don't see the reason why people should have an AR-15 if they're not serving in the military. Now, hearing the title of Cryvex play, you've probably thought it was just babble, B-A-B-B-L-E, as in to chatter, and that is one of the intended meanings. But the play's title is actually spelled B-A-B-E-L, as in the Tower of Babel. Turns out, though, lots of people don't know the biblical story. It happens fairly soon after Noah and the Flood. Noah's descendants decide to build a tower to the heavens. God sees it as an arrogant move, and he stops them. He makes everyone speak different languages. No one can understand anyone else. And they argue, and the whole thing falls apart. And variations of that story, God making us argue in different tongues, appear in other cultures. So it seems almost a basic human sense that many of our arguments are a punishment caused by our own arrogance and misunderstandings. Okay, so bringing all of this back to Cry Havoc, Babel the play was called Babel partly because many Americans haven't been speaking the same language over guns and gun violence. Here's director Mara Richards-Bim. Language matters. Second Amendment rights, that's how uh, gun rights was framed. Um, You can't talk about gun violence. You have to say violence with a firearm. Uh, Things like gun safety versus gun control. Again, it's all about how each side is framing it with language. It's really interesting. Even Cry Havoc's actors didn't all see eye to eye. But Trinity Gordon says the cast, which is socially, economically, and racially diverse, they never let wording or ideology get in their way. Every single person in the cast, we have extremely different views on guns. I mean, we all believe that gun violence needs to decrease. We all believe that we need school safety, but The thing about it that I love about us is that we respect each other's different opinions. And so it doesn't hold us back. If anything, it generates more of what we're doing just because we don't all agree. And it adds more to the show that we don't. It's also true that the cast members evolved. When I think about it, I especially saw that growth when I spoke with Angie Hogue. I'm not the same person I was coming into it. I mean, you could look at that as a good thing or a bad thing. Has it made me more cynical and pessimistic? Probably, but it's also made me enlightened, more self-aware, more able to see things from different angles. Huh. I remember Angie being terrified of guns and not especially interested in what gun owners might say. So that's something. During the creation of their show, the students started thinking about more than just pro or con. Now they find nuance. Making Babel let these actors have conversations and experiences that many Americans will never have. And that's informed their thinking, whether we agree with that thinking or not. 
Cara Lawson says she understands now why some might feel the need to own a gun. Still, I think guns are just such a, a fear-based thing because we can focus on like all of these numbers outside of ourselves, but then when people think about that's my life on the line, it's like who cares about all these other people? I'm I'm looking out for my life. So I think that's what gets in the way of us taking a step back and going, what's best for society at large? Because you could always be like, well, I'm defending me and my own first and foremost. But I don't think that's how you save the most amount of lives. Kara's argument makes clear. The insights the actors gained are not all warm and cheery. Cry Havoc interviewed a convicted felon, a guy named David Jeremiah. Mm, I just think that, you know, poverty breeds violence, bro. And... You know, a gun is is not just a weapon, it's the weapon. It projects your will over time and space, bro. And Jemiah Parker says she agreed with him. She began pretty skeptical about political progress. But now, she says... You know, it's all about incremental change. People in my cast have been talking about incremental change, and I was first, I was like, guys, that's BS. But um, I do think that... We got to start somewhere and keep stepping because nothing in this country has ever happened quickly. Creating this play was always meant to be educational. As such, it worked. Since the show ran, Mara Richards-Bim tells us a couple of the students have become election monitors. One student has shifted her ambitions from performing to journalism. But whatever else it was, Babel was also a play which means it was created with an audience in mind. And the actors always had this little hope. Maybe their performance would inspire just a change of mind in some theatergoers. Two of the actors, Sheldrick and Trinity, have been living in high-crime neighborhoods, and that hasn't fostered much hope in them. Police trying to track down three men believed to be involved in a Far East Dallas shooting that killed a 17-year-old boy. The boy was shot yesterday morning in the Buckner Terrace neighborhood that's near Skyline High School. In their neighborhoods, folks are more likely to be gunned down in the street than in a school. In fact, mass shootings like Stoneman Douglas and Sandy Hook actually make up a tiny number of American gun deaths, although they grab a ton of media attention. There are guns all around Skyline, you know, in Skyline, outside of Skyline. But you hear people talk to each other and we're like, you know, no one's going to, from our neighborhood, is going to come in and, you know, shoot up the school. Because the shootings are like gang shootings. Most inner city shootings are personal. Gunfire on a school campus. People just walking on the track forced to dodge bullets. One person hit in the leg. That shooting happened this morning, Skyline High School. Damon Fernandez explains this is an area coping with murder and violence. There's these kids who, they're getting shot in their neighborhoods every day. You know, it's not just some person coming into their schools, it's somebody coming into their homes, into their communities. And I know it's inevitable that another shooting is going to happen. And there's going to be a part of me that's like, damn, this didn't do anything. But... I mean, it did something to somebody, and it's done something to me. Since Babel's premiere, most of the cast has graduated from high school. Some have gone off to college. Others have stayed close to home and gotten jobs. They've scattered. Still, every time news breaks about another gunman shooting up crowds of innocent people, 
or when police shoot people like Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, and so many others, Jerome and I think about these actors. We wonder, did they join any of the street protests over racial injustice? What did they think about the man who drove to El Paso with an AK-47 to kill as many Mexicans as possible? We don't know. But in the midst of this pandemic, as gun purchases soar and shootings rise, we hope they're okay. And we hope they know their show did something to us. Next time on Gunplay, we catch up with some of the cast. We're traumatizing young people of all ages, preparing them for an event that in that particular year when we did the show seemed to happen weekly. Gunplay was created by Hadi Moagdi and Jerome Weeks. A.C. Valdez was our editor. Micaela Rodriguez produced it. Anne Bothwell is KERA's Vice President of Arts. Delta Spirit let us use their song, Hold My End Up, as our theme. And Joe Cazera provided additional music. Special thanks to the members of Cry Havoc Theatre Company. Gunplay is a production of KERA and Guns in America. Guns in America is supported by a grant from the Candida Fund.